Go ahead and run that clip for live stream. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Uh, baby, grab that um, one or two of those mics. Everybody move to the front for me. Come on to the front. Thank you. Y'all are awesome. Come get in this anointing. Come get in this glory. Let the Lord touch you. Praise the Lord. Let me know when y'all ready. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So we good? All right. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. I'm guessing everybody's. Come on now. Y'all in the house of the Lord? That's all right. We can go back into worship for another 30 minutes if y'all not ready. Or we can or we can receive the word of God today. The implanted word, which is able to save your soul. What do y'all want? We ready? We ready? I'm well, Lord's telling me to prompt y'all to give them some praise. But ain't nobody nobody's responding. You know what I'm saying? See, God is good and He is worthy to be praised. I want to honor my, my baby sister. She's here. I love you. Kiki is in the house. My baby sister. I got a bunch of baby sisters now. When I married Tori, I inherited a whole nother family. And Tori's the oldest, and I'm older than Tori, so I have like six younger siblings now. And I'm the youngest in my family. Is it recording for the mic too? Um, I'm the youngest in my family, so I grew up the baby. So when I married Tori, or whenever I started uh, being with Tori, I was no longer the baby. I'm big brother, and I, I really love being big brother. God is good. We're going to learn about the soul today, okay? How many people have questions about this chart, ideals? It's kind of hard to understand and stuff like that. We're going to talk about the soul. Y'all know that the soul is the generator of everything that happens in our life. It's like a mediator. The word says that the flesh war against the spirit and the spirit war against the flesh. But what does, where does the soul come into place? The flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. So where does the soul come into place? The soul is only going to yield to what is in control, okay? So you have the flesh, which is sinful nature. You have the spirit of God, which is pure, which is holy, which is undefiled. So whatever you're sowing into, your soul is going to produce. You can produce in thoughts, you can uh, produce in actions, you can produce in words, okay? So the soul here is in the middle of what's going to come out of us whether it be of the flesh, whether it be of the spirit. Okay, is everybody following me? The word also says, what you sow is what you will reap. So if you sow into the flesh, you're, you will reap decay, destruction, and ruin. And if you sow into the spirit, you'll reap uh, eternal life or everlasting life and life and peace, essentially. Okay, you guys following me? 
All right. I know I got my man Carl. Where's Todd? Is Todd coming back? All right. I need uh, Philippians 4. Oh, excuse me. Philippians 2, 12. And an Amplified. Talking about the soul. So you have four functions of your soul. And this is how it goes. You have your intellect, which is reasoning. You have your will and choice, your emotions and fears, and affections with love, right? So our soul is comprised and, and fixed with four functions. Um, and all those functions can be used for God or they can be used for Satan, just like we talked about the, the spirit and the flesh. The intellect is the part where you kind of process things. That, that, that function, the reasoning function, is for you to reason with God in his word, okay? The will and choice is who you will choose. Will I choose the will of God or will I choose the will of myself or will I choose, or will I choose the will of something else? Anything outside of God is the will of the enemy, okay? And you have emotions and fears. Our emotions are for us to learn God. Is that better? Our emotions are for us to learn God. Michaela's here. Hey, McKay, I got to start all the way over now. Oh, praise the good Lord. Hey, girl. Come on up front. This is my sister, too. Let me honor this woman. Oh, Lord Jesus. I'm so happy to see her. This is my... Y'all heard the way I screamed? I said, ah! Y'all heard that? Praise God. Michaela's all the way back from Korea. Me, me, Michaela. Listen to this. Me, Michaela... Tori and my little brother DJ all came into this place at the same time, the same day. So she's been here from the beginning with us, with, you know, with our group. Okay, but Kayla, we're talking about the soul, the functions of the soul. Uh, so we got four functions of the soul. We have the intellect, the will and choice, the emotions, and affections. The emotions are for us to learn God. You guys understand what I'm saying? Satan will use our emotions to, to cause us to do things where our emotions are used for us to learn God. All right? Emotions are backed by, just so you know, like encounters that we have in life, things that have us in life, okay? So you have emotions that dictate things in your life. So if something bad happened to you uh, when you was a child, like for me, I was afraid of scary movies, right? So I grew up with a fear of demons. So anytime there was a thought of anything demonic, Fear would come upon me, and the emotion of fear or the emotion of distress would come upon me, and then that would cause me to flee. You know, we learned about fight, fight or flight in school, okay? But our emotions are to learn God. So whenever we're feeling down, whenever we're feeling sad, whenever we're feeling any type of emotion, it's for us to give it to God and to go back and forth with him. God, why am I feeling this way? What is the root of all this? How many people have emotions in here? And how many times do we feel like our emotions are out of control? Anger is a big one. We just talked about anger last week. Fear is a huge one. But there's a ton of different emotions. You have to know what the emotions are for. The emotion for us to learn God. All right. If I'm like in a depressed state and I choose not to go to God, I will be manipulated by the enemy. And he'll use my emotions for destruction. Where God wants to use your, your emotions for uplifting. All right. And you have affections. It's who will you love? It's, it's not with willing choice, but will you love God? When it's all said and done, it's, where will the love be? When it's all said and done, after you've 
reason with God, the word of God, after you've chosen God, after you've given all the emotions about that decision you just made for God, your love will be for God. If you go through that cycle without God, your love will be on something else. So if I reason with a person and I choose the thoughts of a person and all these emotions come upon me, I'm choosing my love for another person or another thing. You, you guys understand what I'm saying? Okay, so you have four functions of your soul. Your soul is the in-between, the middleman. I like to say like that. It's like the generator. Whatever you're on in your mind, whatever you're on in your thoughts is what is going to be produced. So you can yield to your flesh or you can yield to your spirit. And whatever you yield to is what you will produce. Either life and peace, destruction, decay, and ruin. Okay? All right, so we're on Philippians 2.12. It says, therefore, my dear ones, as you, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling, self-distrust, self-distrust, with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, Watchfulness against temptation, timidity, shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. Wow. That's a mouthful, isn't it? That is a mouthful. So it says, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with the enthusiasm would you show in my presence, but much more because I am absent. Do this because I've already taught you this. More when I'm absent, work out, cultivate, Carry out the goal and fully complete your own salvation. How many people know there's, there's, a, there's, there's a ton of salvations, but there's one salvation, right? When you receive Christ in your heart, salvation is complete within. But you work out your salvation in your soul. Whatever is in your heart has to come to your soul. Whatever is in your heart has to come to fullness in your, in your mind, in this function, those four functions, okay? With reverence and awe and trembling, with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, Watchful against temptation. I want to talk about temptation for a little bit, okay? Because that's one of the first, if not the first thing take, uh, Satan does to pull us out of God's will, if we're walking in God's will. And another thing, to keep us out of God's will, okay? So go to um, James 1.12. We got a couple of James in the house. What's up? What's up? So temptation. How many people, they feel like they're constantly being tempted? Constantly. You know, temptation comes in different forms. Temptation, a lot of times I think about temptation, we think about sexual temptation. But there's temptations with food. There's temptations to hang out with the wrong people. There's temptations to uh, indulge in the flesh, pornography, alcoholism. You can keep naming them. Temptations for everything. Temptation is anything another person or another thing is trying to get you to do that God has told you not to do or that has led you not to do. Okay, it says blessed, happy. This is James 1.12. Blessed, happy to be envied is the man who is patient under trial and stands up under temptation. For when he has stood the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Go to the uh, King James Version for me. I'm going to break this down. Who all knows that meditation brings med manifestation? Who all knows how to meditate on God's word? This is something that we're going to have to do in this class for sure, because it's one of the most powerful things that you can do with, with the word of God. Um, 
And I believe for every new believer, there are a few teachings, for everybody, forget it, but especially for new believers, there are a few teachings in this ministry you must get. It's worship wins, meditation brings manifestation, and fleshly friction. Okay? So meditation, I practice this every time I get a scripture that is popped out to me. I read through the scripture, and then if it's in the New Testament, I go to the Greek definition of the words. I just look, I have an app on my phone that shows me what the Greek definition is of the words. And I just go through it. Every word that pops out, I look up the Greek. I write it down. I meditate on it, okay? So listen to this. It says, blessed is the man who endures. Endure. This is what endure means. Bless you. It means to have fortitude and resilience and adversity. And essentially to have a backbone. That's what endure or endures mean. So blessed is the man who has fortitude. Blessed is the man who has resilience and adversity. Blessed is the man who has a backbone. Okay? Temptation can come upon you and it's hard to resist. A lot of times temptations are the things that we really want anyway. Am I wrong? But what do we want more? That's where the soul comes. And what do we want more? Do we want God? Or do we want to just gratify that flesh for, for, those, little, for those little moments? It's in, uh, I love the scripture talks about Moses. It says, whether to uh, enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, he rather than, you know, to suffer with the people of God, people of Israel. That's what Moses did. So would you rather gratify the flesh, enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, or to suffer with God and his people? Okay, we're going to get somewhere. I just like breaking this stuff down because I was reading it. If you go in debt with this thing, it can really speak to you. All right. So blessed is the man who has fortitude. Y'all know what resilience is a word we're using in the military. Resilience is the ability to stand when times are hard. You know, resilience is, is the ability to not shake or to not shift your beliefs because what's going on behind, around you. Do You guys know that? Blessed is the man or woman who has a backbone. <laughs> I love it. Because sometimes we don't got no backbone. <laughs> We'd be scary. We'd be wanting to go right with the crowd doing. We don't want to stand up and say, nah, the Lord told me I can't do that. We'd be wanting to ride with everybody. Okay? Blessed is the man who has a backbone during temptation. Blessed is the man who has resilience during temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. Y'all know what the crown of life is in the Bible? See, this is what happens when you start breaking that word down. You start asking questions. What is that? What is that? What is the crown of life? This is the crown of life. The crown of life is the fullness of eternal life. The fullness of eternal life. So if there's a fullness to eternal life, that means some people may not get the fullness of what happens after Christ comes back and receives his bride. The crown of life. Hear me on this, is the fullness of eternal life. Doesn't mean there's portions to eternal life. Everybody believes that when you get saved, you're going to experience all what heaven has to offer. The scripture is not saying that. It says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. A new believer or a believer in Christ who keeps falling knowingly into temptation over and over and over again will not experience the fullness of, of eternal life. Okay. This is good stuff. Well, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The word says, Jesus knows we love him because we keep his commandments. We obey his commandments. 
That that messed me up. Cause we why do why do we know that God loves us? It was a song because the Bible tells us so, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but also because God sent His Son, Jesus, for our sins, so that He would die in our place, so that we can have a relationship with our Daddy. Okay. All right. Let's go to James one fourteen. We're still talking about temptation. Okay. Because temptation is one of those things that can keep trying to slip, slide back in. Temptation, like we have to grasp the idea that Satan is crafty. He can tempt us to say the wrong thing. It may not just be an action sometimes. He can tempt us to think on the wrong thoughts. Y'all know what, are the, what the wrong thoughts are? Anything that does not line up with the word of God, point blank. You can leave it just like that. Okay. This is what it says, but each one is tempted. I talked about this one class, one real estate or Monday morning worship here. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. This messed me all the way up. You know you cannot be tempted. You know there's a way that you can never be tempted. Yeah, that's so cool. You know there's a way you can never be tempted. You're only, but each one is tempted when he, man, go, go to, uh, Go to James uh, 4, or uh, 113. I love it because it's, it's, it's getting us up to something. Let no one say that he is tempted. I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Okay, this is not God when temptation comes. Okay, let's go to, let's go to the next verse. But each one is tempted now. So now I just said God does not tempt us. It said now... Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Hey, Spring. All right, y'all pay attention. Because this could change your life. Change my life. It can. We can only be tempted when we have our own desire. You can only, no, no, no. You can only be tempted when you have your own desire. Your own, selfish, your own desire, okay? Now, hear me out on this. You have the desires of the flesh. You have the desires of the heart, okay? So where do my own desires come in? Where do my own desires come in? Okay? We got desires that come in from the flesh. What else? Come on. Other people. Other people. Jealousy. Jealousy, whatever. All these different things, right? It's from the outside trying to get in. Your own desires can come from what you see, hear me out on this, or what you hear, what you taste, what you feel. Your outside senses, your fleshly senses, your fleshly desires, like Tori was saying. So you have the desires of the flesh and you have desires of the heart. The desires of the heart or the desires of the spirit come right from God. God puts it in here before eternity, before you even create it, so that you will want certain things, that you would desire certain things. So he can manifest them so he can get the glory. Have you noticed that when we get our own, a desire that we want for ourselves, God gets no glory in it? And at first, a lot of times we like, we like to say that God is getting the glory. But usually it ends up in utter destruction. And we say, man, God had nothing to do with that, right? Are y'all getting what I'm saying? This is good stuff. I'm going to be jumping around because when I read this, I said, dang, that can eliminate all excuses. What we need to focus on is God's desires. We're going to get into that. What God wants for our life. If I'm focused on what God wants for my life, I won't have my own desires. Because my desire, which will line up with his desire, 
Your desire can become his desire. Essentially, that's what I'm saying. Okay? Now look at this. It says, but each man or each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Enticed. Y'all know what enticement means? Yes, it's like a lure. Okay? How can you be lured? How can you be enticed? I love that you're a fisher dog, so it's something you like. <laughs> it's something that you like. You may not even know this, okay? Because we have dark places in us that God tries to bring light to. An enticement or being enticed, you cannot be enticed unless something's not in you, okay? We just go with perversion, all right? It's one of the things I just, I know so much about because I walked in it for so long in my life. I had a desire to fornicate, right? I had a desire to fornicate. That desire came from what I watched, from what I heard, from what I touched, from what I did. When I did those things, a seed came inside. You, you getting what I'm saying? Although I stepped away from those activities, the seed was still there. Y'all following me? So as the seed is still there, if it has not been plucked out or uprooted, I can still be enticed because it's inside, even though I'm not actively walking in this thing. So what must I do? My baby been meditating. You have to replace that seed. You have to uproot that seed. You have to replace that seed. Are y'all following me? Because sometimes we say, man, I, I walked through this a long time. I'm not actively in sin. I wasn't out fornicating for, for a long time. I wasn't doing a whole bunch of stuff. But I still wasn't seeing the, the kind of that shift in my life that I wanted to see. Because there was still a seed. If there's a seed there, you can be tempted. If there's a seed there, you can be enticed. And when that is there, God don't want to take you to a place that when the true, the hard, the, the real test comes, that you're falling, you hit that destruction. He loves us too much. You see what I'm saying? So it's inside of you. So we really have to, to go before God. And say, God, take this out of me. I don't want it's the same thing with anger. It's the same thing with fear. It's the same thing with jealousy. You may not speak in jealousy. You may not act in jealousy, but the thought is in there. And when the thought is in there, God may, God may be, you, jealousy is a great indication that what a person just received, you're up, you're next in line. That is a great indication, a great indication. But when jealousy comes to the mind, because you can have jealousy in you or you can have the thought come to you. When jealousy either arises in you or comes to your mind, we have to resist the devil. If we don't resist them, we're going to go through this process. Every time somebody receives something, I'm jealous. Every time somebody gets something I want, I'm jealous. And God can never bring that promise to you because it's a seed there because God will not get the glory when you receive. The wrong spirit is in operation. I hope y'all are following me. This is what I... This is what our this is what our desire should be. Our desire should be to become more like God. Our desire to it should to have more of God. The the enticement should be of a seed of God being enticed by more of God. Right? So I just give you an example. I saw a flow in the anointing when I went to King Jesus Ministries. I saw a flow it was it was phenomenal. I've never seen it. Cuz this is a teaching ministry. It's not really a preaching ministry. A lot of us have come to a place of maturity where the word doesn't have to be preached. But when you hit a place like that, the anointing has to be flowing because there's so many different people from so many different walks of life. There's a seed of righteousness that's in me. 
And when I see the righteousness of God, the fruit of God, the things of God moving, it's enticing me for more of him. It's enticing me for more of what he has. You see what I'm saying? So it will push you. Enticement pushes you to do something. So it pushes you to worship more. It pushes you to read more. It pushes you to meditate more. It pushes you to do all these things more. And you won't be able to rest. You won't be able to sleep until you receive those things, okay? And another thing, you have to walk these things out in, in faith. You do. And sometimes you got to talk to yourself. Uh, uh, Carl, flip that uh, time around so I can uh, stay on time. All right. Okay, so we can't. I'm done with the scripture. But we cannot be tempted if we don't have our own desires. We cannot be enticed if the seed is not there. All right, think about if we meditated on that, how could our life be changed? How can our life be changed if just we meditate on that scripture? I'm amazed about what meditation really does. I'm amazed that when you break down the scripture of God and really start, start reasoning with his word, what he shows you. All right, let's go to Romans 12.2. I think it's in, I think this one is in the, Amplified. We bless you, Lord. God is awesome. He wants his, his bride, he wants his body to be perfected. Okay. All right, give it to me in uh give it to me in uh New King. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good. And acceptable and perfect will of God. All right, bear with me. It's so much in the scripture. I got notes all over this thing. It says, do not be conformed. What does the word conform mean? Okay, to give in. To change so you fit in. The, the word conforms mean this. Fashion. To be in the same pattern. So listen to this. Do not be wearing the same patterns of this age. Do not dress. Do not clothe yourself. Man, this is this tight. Do not clothe yourself with the people of this age, with the people of this world, with the way of this world. And what this, the word world means age. It's like a dispensation. It's like a time, right? So what is this age? What is the age that we're in? Oh, man. What is the age that, what, what world are we in right now? What age? It's a, a sin. Come on. The end times. What else? Violence. Anger. Malice. Murder. Uh, adultery. Uh, just openness of, of sexuality. Homosexuality. Um, What's it when you want to change your sex? Transgender. Every, okay, y'all see what I'm saying? This age. Do not be clothed. Do not be in the same fashion. Do not wear the same patterns of this age. Do not walk around angry. Do not walk around flipping if I want to be a man today and I want to be a woman tomorrow. Do not, do not conform. Do not change. You see what I'm saying? And if it says do not conform, that means you're already something. What are you before this? Children of God. 
So do not transform, excuse me, do not conform from a child of God to a child of Satan. This is what it is. This age is a godless system. All right? It is a system where people have no daddy. It's a fatherless system. It is a bastard, rebellious people. Okay? A bastard, rebellious people. Do not be conformed from a child of God to a fatherless child. A person who has, like, no structure, no authority over them. Somebody who just wants to do what they want. You remember Bart Simpson? He just did what he wanted to do. I'm not done with that. Do not be fashion, yo. I say what? Fashion? Oh man, don't even wear. Don't even wear what they wearing. So me, I need to take off those skinny jeans. Somebody need to take off some skinny jeans. I'm just teasing. Fashion is clothing yourself spiritually. <laughs> it's clothing yourself and what they wear. What are we supposed to wear? Gladness, the armor of God, all this different stuff. It's in the Bible. You can, you can read it. It tells you what to put on. Okay? But then it says, oh, my. I'm on the second line now. It says, but be transformed. So don't be conformed from a child to God, but be transformed from a child of God to something else. Okay? What would it be trans? What does the word transform mean? Completely change. I like that. What else? To make new. What else? What else? Transform. Transform. To a new state. This is what it means. A metamorphose. That's a big word. I like that word. It's like metamorphosis. That's what I think it. Metamorphosis. But be metamorphosed. Metamorphosis means completely changed. Your entire being is being completely changed. It means to transfigure. Remember Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? He had a glorious state there. I had this question. When Jesus went on the Mount, he took, what was it, uh, John and Peter? Or was it John and James? He took two of his disciples. I think it was John and Peter. It was two of them. He took the two closest ones to him up there. He went to the mountain to pray. And out of nowhere, a man transforms. And then Elijah and Moses shows up. Think about it. This blew my mind. How did the disciples know that that was Moses and Elijah? How? This is crazy. Because these guys lived times before them. This, 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 these guys live way, it wasn't like they took photographs back in that time. In an instant, their, their eyes were open, they were enlightened. But when Jesus hit the glory state, listen to this, in the glory, everything is whole. There is no time. Your soul is opened up. The Holy Spirit says he'll bring things back to your remembrance. This is so awesome because the word of God is true. We're not to add or we're not to take away. But the whole, we, you know, we were spirit beings before we, we were manifested in the flesh. 
So there are things that happened in heaven before the earth was even created. Revelation. God will show you things. He will bring back to your remembrance things that haven't been written before. In God's glorious state, in Jesus' glorious state, and whoever is in that vicinity experienced heaven in a sense. They experienced fullness. They, they, they experienced no brokenness. It's like in a sense their mind was made completely whole. You know, I was reading an article, a lady went to heaven, and people have all these questions about what they would ask God when they went to heaven. She said she went to heaven, and like the Holy Spirit quickened her and said, like she said, I want to ask God these questions. She said in an instant, it's like she knew everything. She, there was no questions. It's like the moment she got to heaven, she knew everything. There was nothing to be asked. You see what I'm saying? That's the glory. Now, okay, so the Holy Spirit, y'all follow me, works with knowledge, works with understanding. If we understand and if we know these things, when we get into the glory, what would the Holy Spirit start doing? He'll start showing you things. He'll start revealing things to you. People don't understand this. People think that the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying he can't, but he primarily works with knowledge. That's why you have to read the word. That's why you have to worship. If you're not giving the Holy Spirit anything to work with, what will he do? He's a gentleman. He is. He's gentle. And God, he's not, he's not, he's not going to push you. God's going to give you just enough to keep you wanting more. All right? This is good, right? So the word metamorphosis means to be completely and entirely changed. Okay? So how do we be changed? It says by the renewing of your mind. The word renewing. Yo, you do, what does the word renew mean? We talk about this all the time. This is something Jean's already said. It's not like something that hasn't been said. What does renewing mean? To be made new? What else? To be made whole? To be washed? The word renewing means renovation. Okay. We got a couple guys that do work in here, like renovation. If you're renovating a bathroom, what do you do first? Break it down. You take out all the old stuff. And then what do you do? You start replacing it with new things. Listen to this. There are things in our mind. I got this revelation towards the beginning of the year. Because I sold into so many bad things, I looked at the wrong stuff. I touched the wrong stuff. I heard the wrong things. My mind needed a renovation, okay? If we're not renovating our mind, you know, you can just add things to your mind. You can make it cluttered. You have to renovate it. You have to clean it out. I understood that I wasn't able to really see from God, like spiritually, because I had so many perverted images in my mind. I'll tell you this. I was, I guess, for teaching purposes sake, I was probably uh, 11 or 10 when I started looking at pornography. I went from 11 or 10 or 11 to uh, like 14 and I stopped for like a year and then from 16 to like 23. I was constantly, that's, that's what I watched, that's what I knew. That's how I, that's, that's like, that was, I wouldn't say it was entertainment for me, but I put, think how many years was compacted in this soul of images of those things. And I'm wondering why I can't, you know, it said, the word says that 
if you obey God and if you keep his commandments, he'll reveal himself to you, him and the Father. And I said, Lord, I'm keeping your commandments, all this different stuff. And I kept asking, why haven't I, I seen you? It's because there's so much junk. It's clouded. It's bad images. Every time I, like, I would try to go into worship, it, y'all know what Satan do. He'll bring it right back. I'm like, I don't even want to think about that. Or right in your face, and then you have to cast down every you know, vain imagination, all that stuff. But I had to start renovating those thoughts. I had to start renovating this mind. How did I do that? How can you do that? I, I basically stopped doing all that stuff, okay, because you don't want to keep filling it up. You know, if you stop, you can stop filling it up. But anything that was a motion picture, hear me on this, because that's what pornography is, a motion picture. I started watching, like, edificial things that had to do with God to start replacing. You, you see what I'm saying? So instead of my mind start, started go, going from those perverse scenes, it started going to scenes of, like, I don't know, like God being crucified, Jesus being crucified, um, people being saved, people being healed, stuff like that. You see what I'm saying? I started renov- I started, you know, basically cleaning it out. The word of God is what cleans it out. You have to put the word, because it's a two-edged sword. It pierces things. It, it cuts things up. It chops them up. It's the word of God. But as I did that in conjunction with putting, like, better pictures, this, these pictures, these, these motion pictures in my mind, my mind wouldn't go to those places anymore. You, you, y'all get what I'm saying? The word renewing means renovation, renovation, renovation. We got to get in. I believe God is practical. I believe he gives us steps. He gives us things to do to help us. He's not wanting us to create a new will. He's not wanting us to do things that would be too hard for us. Okay. The word renewing. So we have to renovate our minds. We have to get rid of the junk and put new things in there. All right. That you may prove. All right. What does the word prove mean? This is a twist. Give evidence. That is a, that's, that's excellent. What is another one? The word prove. Okay. This is what it means. Discern. Examine. So, oh, I meant to mention this too. In order to be transformed, all you have to do is renew, renovate your mind. To everything about you to be transformed. All you have to, it doesn't say go do a bunch of activities. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by. And the word transform is metamorphosis. That means the entire being is being changed entirely by the renewing of your mind. I'll just say it just like this. The season that ran, we're in the rest season. God is doing something supernatural in the rest, things that we can't comprehend, things that we've been preparing for in the burial, right? So in the burial season, I put my mind on, you know, eating bad, um, eating too much, gluttony, all these different, that's what I, that was, I was burying these, these thoughts, right? And I was like, man, I'm not seeing any changes. I'm like, man, it's like I'm doing this in vain. You know, in my mind, so Lord, am I being fleshly or is this what you wanted me to bury? In this season, God is doing something supernatural. I can say it like this, by the renewing of my mind, choosing God in my soul in that area, when we entered into this new season, I was able to lose 15 pounds and I didn't do anything. I did nothing, as toward nothing changed about me. I didn't go running. I wanted to go running because, shoot, I was like, I need to get in shape. I'm not saying don't do anything. But if you change your mind, God can work on everything else. God can work on everything else. I'm not saying that 
you can't do other stuff. I just know for me, I want y'all to know something. I've, I've done diets. I've exercised my whole life, over 20 years, my entire life. And I got to a place a couple years ago, I said, I don't want to do it no more. I got tired of counting calories. I got tired of running three and four miles. I said, bump it. I'm just going to run after Jesus. <laughs> that was it. For real. I let it all go. But in that, because in the word it talked about when a girl that was possessed by a demon, after he cast or she was dead or something, he told the people to give her food. There's always something natural to the supernatural. So just because I stopped exercising didn't mean that, or I stopped, you know, wanting to count. Count doesn't mean I, I should have just ate what I wanted. I should have been listening to the Holy I wouldn't have gained all the weight that I gained if I would have been listening to the Holy Spirit. But see, God did it that way because God wants a testimony. Think about it like this. When we all start losing this weight in here, we all be able to lay hands on people. And supernatural weight loss is going to happen. That's the testimony. So we got to think, am I willing to receive that hardship for a time in order to bless somebody else with a testimony? I can't wait to see how much more weight I lose. I'm hoping 50. I'm hoping 50. And I'm telling you, God is going to do it. God is going to do it. It's the meditation on the word. It's the renewal of the mind. The word prove means discern and examine. Who does examinations? Doctors and physicians and people of caliber, people of stature, people of education do examinations. What God is saying, if you renew your mind, you can start doing examinations in your life. You can start observing and looking at what's coming to you. I'm, I'm going to get to it. I want you guys to understand this. You must be qualified to examine. You must be, you must have some sort of degree, some sort of stature to examine. Do y'all know that, right? I can't go to a doctor and say, let me check out your baby. I'm a pediatrician, man. And she's asking for my credentials. I don't have credentials. The Lord led me here. Now, but you get what I'm saying? Be transformed by the renewing, the renovation of your mind so that you may discern, so that you may examine. When you renew your mind, you can start to examine. When your mind's not renewed, you ain't going to be able to examine. You're not going to be able to examine. We, people, we think we're mature. No, we're not mature until the word of God has taken place in the soul. We think we can look and examine our outside situation, our internal situations, other people's situations, everybody's situations. And that's not the truth. You're not qualified. You do not have credentials to examine anything in your life until the word of God has transformed your soul. That's what the word says. All right. All right. That you may examine what is the good. What is <laughs> you see how you you say you can break this down? You see how you can break this down? And these are just words. We ain't even break down what the word by or the word your or the word that means. They all have meanings. The word good means a benefit or good things. The word acceptable means fully agreeable or well-pleasing. And the word perfect means a completeness or full age, like maturity. All right, so remember what I said. By the renewing of your mind that you may discern or examine what is the good, what is the benefit 
What are the good things of the will of God? You're examining. You know what a person does when they examine? They check it up and down. They do checks. They do tests. Okay. That you may examine what is the benefit of the will of God. Y'all following me? All I'm about to do is replace what that word says with what the meaning is and put it right next to the will of God. Okay, by the renewing of the mind that you may prove or that you may examine what is fully agreeable and what is well-pleasing. Oh, let me stop. I didn't even get there. Y'all know what the word will means? God's will or the will of God, y'all know what the word will means? A desire or pleasure. Okay, so what is good, what is acceptable and perfect desire or the perfect pleasure of God. Now let's get back to it. All right, that you may prove what is the benefit and the good things in God's desires in your life, for God's pleasures in your life. God has pleasures for us. He has desires for our life. What is the, okay, that you may prove or that you may examine what is fully agreeable with the desire of God, what is fully agreeable with the good things of God. You you get what I'm saying? There are things that are not fully agreeable with what God has for you in your life. You can't examine your life. Me and Tori, we went to this King Jesus thing. God was speaking to me constantly. In order to go to the next level in my life, I can't be heavy. I can't be out of shape. I have to be healthy. I have to be able to move. I have to be able to be mobile. I have to be able to talk and and allow the anointing to flow without being out of breath. That does not line up with God's good pleasure. That does not line, those things, being out of breath, that does not line up with his benefit. That does not line up with the good things. It does not, it's not fully agreeable with his will. It's not. I'm not able to examine that until my mind is renewed. This is what the unrenewed mind says. God loves me just the way I am. I don't have to change. That's what the unrenewed mind says. The unrenewed mind says that come as you are. Everybody's in different places. I'm just talking, I'm just giving you from my experience. I know the Lord was speaking to your boy. I said, and I ended up in all the pictures. I said, sheesh, you trying to put it in my face, huh, Lord? I don't even want to look at the photos. But you know what? It's a great reminder because next year when I go, boy, I'm going to be out there to jump my shirt off. And he said, man, I'm turning to David. I mean, I'm damn, he don't praise out of all his clothes. This is good. This is good. This is what happens when you spend time with God. He'll start breaking his thing. And this, this is only a couple of scriptures. Wait, I'm teaching off of Gene's teaching. I'm teaching off of Gene's teaching. When God starts speaking to you, like pertaining to your life with the Remo word, think about what he's really going to show you. It doesn't change. He, he can still show me everything that he wants to show me here. But when God wants to start changing you, well, he breaks that thing open. I remember the first rumor word I got for this year. Basically, the word told me I was, I was, I was the raise up a generation. That's what the word said. And I would have never known that until I broke it down, until I meditated on it. 
We're almost done. I've got nine minutes anyway. What is that you may examine? The word perfect. You may examine what the completeness or the maturity of God's desire is in your life or God's pleasure in your life. What is God's desire in your life? Wholeness. We know that. Complete wholeness. Nothing lacking, nothing missing, nothing broken. If you don't renew your mind, you're not able to examine if you've hit maturity in a, in, in a place in your life. You're not able to examine if you hit a full age so God is promoting you to another level. You know how Gene talks about, I just felt like we, we were moving at one level. He's able to examine. His mind is renewed. And, you know, some of us may think, man, I like it here. Like, I like where we're at as a ministry. It's kind of nice. But his mind is already renewed. Okay, Lord, what's the next move? He's already saw the maturity in the place, in the house. Okay? Excuse me. Man, that's hot stuff. So this is what it says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Acceptable means fully agreeable and well-pleasing to God's will. Fully acceptable and well-pleasing to God's desire. Fully acceptable. I mean, excuse me, fully agreeable and well-pleasing to God's pleasure. That's just in the Greek. Think about when you start breaking this thing down in the Hebrew. You can have two paragraphs long of one scripture, and then you start meditating on it. Okay. All right, so this age. Stay on this age because you have to, in a sense, know your enemy, but we ain't worried about him. You know what I'm saying? It's like, he don't concern me. I don't, even, I don't like talking about him. But if we don't know him, how are we able to, in a sense, defend ourselves? Or how are we able to counteract his, his temptations, all these different things? All right. I talked about this, I think, last week or earlier this week. Go to John 8, 44 through 47. Just put it all up. This age is a fatherless age. When you're, when you're fatherless, you're disobedient, you're disruptive, you're, you're angry, you have malice, you have all these different things. Um, but in a sense, combined with all that, if you don't have a father, your influence is the enemy, Satan. This is what the word says. <clears throat> this is of this age. This is what happens when your mind is not being renewed or being transformed. You are, you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, when he speaks a lie, he speaks it from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. This age, what, what, what we're seeing now, their father is. The devil, they don't know it. It's, it's of ignorance. Some, some know it. Some just want to be evil. But they want to do this evil. They want to do these things. This is what they've learned. This is what they're accustomed to. 
The word says he was a murderer from the beginning. The word murder can go hand in hand with these two things, hate and anger. Okay. So the devil was a hater and the devil was angry from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth. What you're going to see with this age is that they do not want to hear the truth. They're not want to, they're not going to want to hear the truth. You can be speaking truth from God and they can't hear because they don't want to hear it. And I have a scripture that backs that up. It said, you know, the scripture that says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. There's a scripture right before that tells you how you will hear the truth and it set you free. You can't be set free unless you're a disciple of Christ. Y'all know that, right? When you hear truth, you cannot be set free when you hear the truth unless you're a disciple of Christ. There's a truth that comes, the truth of the spirit, the spirit of truth comes, regenerates your heart, regenerates your spirit back to God. Before you become a disciple, you're connecting with the spirit of God, and that's how you're able to hear truth to change. You can't hear truth to change. Being changed and being set free are two different things. All right. He was murdered from the beginning. He does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks it from his own resources, for he is a liar and he is the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. When you, when revelation starts flowing, when truth starts flowing, if you're having a hard time grasping it, and when I say grasp, I'm not meaning like you're not trying, as in if you're just disregarding it, like I don't want to believe that. That, that can't be true. The word is saying that you're the, the devil's your father in that area of your life. You allow him to be king. You allow him to be ruler. You allow him to be father. And it says, which of you convicts me of sin? And I tell him the truth. Why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear. He who is of God hears God's words. It is backed up again. If you can't hear the truth, who's your father? What you got? Okay. Because you are not of God. All right, let's go to John, 1 John 3.15. All that does is backs up basically saying that he who hates a brother is a murderer. And you know a murderer has no eternal life abiding in him. He, listen to me, he who is a hater, excuse me, he who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no hater has eternal life abiding in him. When your father... Is the enemy. Let's go go right to John 17, 3. This is what eternal life is. When your father is Satan, revelation is not flowing. Any area you have hate in your life, any area you have murder in your life, any area you have anger in your life, revelation cannot flow. And this is eternal life. Let's go back. 1 John 3, 15. Just so we all can get it. We have to get our minds renewed. The scriptures must be broken down. The scripture must be meditated on. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. I can be born again, filled with the spirit, right? Filled with the spirit and hate. That doesn't mean I don't have eternal life. That means it's not abiding. You have two different loves. You have the love of Jesus, which is a rescuing love. It's like a, a love that wants to rescue you, a love that wants to save you. And you have the love of the Father, which is an abiding love, a love that just stays on you, rests on you. 
It's comfort. It's gentle. It holds you. So whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murder has eternal life resting in him. And this is eternal life. Go to the next scripture for me. John 17. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That they may know. Let me see if I wrote down what the word. The word know means be resolved. To know that you know, without a shadow of a doubt, no questioning. To be resolved means you have come to maturity of what you believe. There's nothing that can change what you think. To be sure and to understand. And this is eternal life, that they may be resolved, that they may be sure, and that they may understand you. This is our daddy. This is our father. This is Jehovah. That you are the one only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's revelation. We cannot renew our minds to overcome this age, to not be transformed and conformed to this world, excuse me, not be conformed to this world or this age if we have hate. We have anger. We have malice. We have all these different things floating in any area of our life because revelation is not flowing. The mind of God is not flowing. The soul of God is not is not flowing. Y'all know the soul of God is Jesus Christ. Okay? It's not flowing if that is abiding in us because it says eternal life is not abiding in a person if, they, if they're a murderer. Okay? And this is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I hope y'all are understanding what I'm saying here. Because if you're not being transformed, you're being conformed. There's no in between. There's no in between. Zero. I talked to one of my friends from a high school friend I had from Germany. I was hoping she was going to be here tonight. And she said that a church that she was going to would use worldly things to draw sinners, like music. They would bring music into the house of God to show something to a person that we accept you just how you are so that it would come. What is that? That is being conformed. You know what draws people? The truth. Love. God himself. That's what draws people. But God can't draw people if we're not being transformed into his image, into his likeness. He can't draw them. He wants to use us. I'm not saying people can't have the light bulb, the epiphany, the, those moments where God, Jesus just shows up. I'm not saying that. But when it comes to this body, God wants to be in us. He wants to be the light on the inside of us that draws them. So if you're not being transformed, metamorphosed, if you're not being completely changed by the renewal of your mind, we're being conformed to the world. And what is the world right now? We already talked about it. All these different things. That's why your eye gates, your ear gates, your mouth gate, your nose gates, your touch gate, every gate is very important. You have to cut things off. Some of us listen too much to rap music. I'm going to be honest. That was the first thing the Lord told me. I used to, Drake was my dude. I'd tell it to anybody. I fellowship with Jake, Drake. Drake was living my life. I was like, Drake, I feel you, dog. I understand. But that was doing nothing for me. It was actually deteriorating the mind that God wanted me to build. 
or God wanted to build in me. I'm telling you, Satan is the ruler and the power of the air. Okay, so you have airwaves. What did it say when people turn on the TV? They're now on the air. That's what it says, right? So what we watch and what we listen to, if it's not controlled by God, who's it controlled by? And I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of music that's not controlled by God. There's a ton of TV and music, I mean movies, that's not controlled by God. What are we putting in our, in our gate? If you're not being transformed by the word of God, you're being conformed to the world. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And then we all say, oh, it's okay for this time. It's all right. I'm just going to enjoy myself for a little bit. Just like God, every step we take towards God, I feel like God takes a thousand steps towards us. Think about every step we take towards the darkness. It's trying to overtake you. Satan works harder than a lot of Christians. He works way harder than a lot of Christians. He does. Because he knows if somebody gets the revelation of who Jesus Christ is and who God is, they cannot be defeated. Y'all know that? If they get the revelation, they get eternal life abiding in them. The open heaven where revelation is flowing constantly, we can all achieve that. Y'all know that, right? God has, he's no partial. He's not partial to man. All you have to do is draw close to him, he draws close to you. Does everybody understand the soul? Does anybody have any questions? No one's perfect, meaning we're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that God wouldn't be too fancied or too happy about. But if the heart is right, God can use us. And I don't want to make people think they got to be perfect. I do believe we need to seek God morning and night. That's what the word says. But if you make a mistake and your heart is truly right, if you're convicted, God, God, he'll get you right. Remember, remember I said the the metamorphosis of the renewal of the mind is an entire being. As a man thinketh, so he will be. Love you. As a man thinketh, so he will be. So if I'm only bringing to my eye gates, my ear gates, the taste, the, the smell, you know you can taste and hear God. None of that other stuff is going to come in. And then God is able to feel he can draw me by his spirit. I feel like we all there's a there's a spirit of condemnation that says you'll never be able to get this right. You'll never be able to flow with God. Your whole life is going to be a challenge. I'm just not moving fast enough. Everybody's growing around me. I'm in the back. That's a lie. And I want to encourage everybody because I know what that feels like in the world. And in God, our hearts, our cardia, not our, not our, not our pneuma, our cardia is our, is our soul. Our heart, cardia is your soul, right? Cardia is your heart, pneuma is your soul. Your pneuma has to be set on God. Think on God. It says taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste God. Get in his presence.